so it's a blessing being here once again today and um today is the last and the reasons why it was necessary for god to replace the holy just and good law and next week i'll be starting something else again so it'd be a new topic that will be discussed all scriptures will be taken from the king james version and the topic is the priesthood under which the law was given was incapable of producing the perfection which christ demanded right so so the law even the first covenants had to be superseded by a better covenant which centered around the fact that the priesthood under which the law of first covenant was given was incapable of producing the perfection which christ demanded in his new testament bride and for confirmation one can turn to matthew chapter 5 verse 48 hebrews chapter 6 from verses 1 to 2. so based on what i just said the doctrinal confirmation of such would be read from hebrews chapter 7 verses 11 to 12. if therefore perfection were by the levitical priesthood for unlike the people received the law what further need was there that another priest should rise after the order of melchizedek and not be called after the order of aaron for the priesthood being changed there is made of necessity a change also of the law so that scripture was taken from hebrews chapter 7 verses 11 to 12. now one honestly doesn't have to be a genius to understand the meaning of the information contained in hebrews chapter 7 verses 11 to 12. for it is paraphrased in the following points point one if the levitical priesthood under which the law was given was capable of producing the perfection which christ demanded in the new testament believer there would have been no need for the emergence of a priest from the melchizedek order since the aaronic order or levitical priesthood under which the holy just and good law was given was already established in as we read in hebrews chapter 7 verses 11. and the last point which is point two now the fact that the priesthood was changed from the levitical to the superior melchizedek order this is indicative of the fact that a change in the law was also inevitable we read that in hebrews chapter 7 verse 12. now since jesus was the god appointed high priest of the new covenant being a priest after the superior order of melchizedek as we read in hebrews chapter 6 verse 20 he was duly qualified and divinely authorized to make changes to the law and he did just that so one may ask where in the world did jesus make changes to the law and the answer is in his sermon 
on the mount. Now, the following scripture speaks loudly to this question under review. Eh? From one of the five books of the law, we read the following, which is taken from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 13. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God, and serve him, and shalt swear by his name. So in the said book of the law, we have the following confirmation, which is Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 20. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God, him shalt thou serve, and to him shalt thou cleave, and swear by his name. So against the backdrop of those two verses from the book of Deuteronomy, which authorizes the children of Israel to swear by God's name, one stumbles upon the following. This is a straightforward teaching of Jesus Christ. Again, you have heard that it had been said by them of old time, Thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shalt perform unto the Lord thy oaths. But I say unto you, Swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. But let your communication be, yea, yea, nay, nay, for whatsoever is more than these comet of evil. So that was Matthew chapter 5 from verses 33 to 35 and verse 37. So the above teaching of Jesus on swearing is without a doubt a perfect example of a change in the law or first covenant, which we all must agree. So another pertinent change in the law, though in a positive direction, can be cited in Jesus' teaching on the topic of idolatry. For whereas in Old Testament times, a man had to have physical contact with another person's wife, for him to be deemed an adulterer jesus has widened the adulterous net as it is as it were to include the contemplative aspect of the act so the following scriptures confirms this doctrinal position you have heard that it was said by them of old time thou shalt not commit adultery but i say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her had committed adultery with her already in his heart. That is taken from Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 to 28. So again, with respect to the sin of revenge, which allowed under the old covenant for the following kinds of vengeance, namely an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth, which we normally read in Exodus chapter 21, verse 24, and Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 21. So Jesus repealed that law altogether and taught instead to turn the other cheek. So the following verse that confirms that statement is taken from Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 to 39, and it reads like this. You have heard that it had been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. That was Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 to 39. So can anyone who calls him or herself a Christian 
deny the fact that Jesus made changes to the law. So I trust no such person exists, and for that would be a real tragedy. So notwithstanding the doctrinal facts, um, many denominational reasons why you know they don't teach the heresy is that what god said in the old testament must be maintained in the new so this they do by citing the text which states the following for i am the lord i change not therefore ye sons of jacob are not consumed And that was taken from Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. So we see that some of the denominational reasons that they teach the heresy that whatever God said in the Old Testament must maintain in the New, and they cite the scripture, which is Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, which states, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. So, brethren, God is not dealing with the unchangeableness of his word. Instead, he is highlighting the fact that because an element of his nature is that he is merciful. So, those sinful sons of Jacob, as can be deduced from reading Malachi chapter 3, verse 5, are not consumed in spite of their wicked ways, as Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 states. And what that Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 verse means is that if one were to infer that that verse means something else, that would be a classic example of handling the word of God deceitfully. So as I close, and as this is the final reason on why it was necessary for God to replace the holy, just, and good law, I want to reiterate the fact that since the Levitical priesthood under which the law was given was incapable of producing the perfection which Christ required, that first covenant also referred to as the law, which was inextricably linked to that priesthood, had to be also replaced by a better priesthood, which was capable of producing that perfection, which Christ desired and required of his saints. And Matthew chapter 5 verse 48 and Hebrews chapter 6 verses 1 to 2 are biblical references which highlight God's requirements in this regard. So brethren, please take time and read your Bibles for yourselves. Please prepare yourselves for Jesus Christ's return because he will be returning soon. Remember that he loves us. I love you. And I do look forward in next week again and sharing a new topic. So God bless, stay safe.